Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast is provided by Subtruck Law. Revolution Recap thanks Subtruck Law for their support of our show, local independent media, and their mission of bringing unbiased truth. Revolution Recap would also like to thank Six Point Builders for their support. Six Point Builders are builders of fine, custom homes in the Boston metropolitan area. Welcome everyone to another episode of Revolution Recap. The Revolution came away with a much-needed three points with a 2-1 victory over Charlotte FC on the backs of a last-minute Dave Romney header. I'm Greg Johnstone. Joining me today from Revolution Nation, it is Andy Judd. Andy, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you so much for having me back on. I was talking to you about this in the pre-show. It's the first time we've done a show in two or three months, um, which doesn't feel right. Uh, I feel like Sam has been <laughs> Sam has been hogging my episodes lately. That's and so, right. So uh, I'm very glad I got to uh, do a show, w- uh, but I'm free of Sam Minton. So thank you so much for joining me this week. Oh, of course. And I've gotten a lot of Sean, and I you know I love doing podcasts with Sean, but it's good to be on with you. You need to you need to break it up a little bit and mix it up, and so I'm I'm glad we kind of uh, got this, and I'm, I'm also glad we get to finally talk about a win. Yeah, uh, it seems like forever since we've talked about a win. <laughs> yes, yeah. So I actually um, I haven't been keeping super close track of this, but I'm pretty sure I come on. Uh, I've been on this like four or five times now. It's been after a win, a loss, a win, a loss, and now a win. So you you probably shouldn't have me on again. Is what I'm getting at, I suppose. But if patterns hold true. Well, four games left. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in uh, any of them. So win-loss, (laughs) win-loss, massive collapse with the coaching situation, win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. So yeah, we'll see if that pattern holds uh, for your next appearance. But before we hop into your key takeaway from this massive victory for the revolution, I want to tell you about our friends at BetOnline. Football is back and BetOnline is your number one information source for all of your sports wagering info with all the -the up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoffs and Super Bowl, BetOnline will give you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, Andy, let's get to your key takeaway. Key takeaways, of course, brought to you by our friends at The Rebellion. Go check them out at nerebellion.org. And also remember, if you haven't signed up already, there are spots still available for their foot golf tournament next week, October 7th. Uh, it is at Four Kicks in Norfolk. So if you want to uh, get involved in some foot golf, uh, go check that out. And I also know there's going to be a watch party uh, at Flynn's in Mansfield after the game, whether or not you participate uh, in the foot golf tournament. So some very, very big events for the rebellion coming up again nerebellion.org to learn more about them anyway key takeaways andy go let's do it uh yeah so my key takeaway i had a couple that were a little bit more um maybe into the nitty-gritty of the game and and players that did well and and maybe didn't do so well but i I thought maybe i would go a little bit more general um and and just say that this is this is a big win um i wanted to point out kind of the fights and the grit i saw a lot of players uh i i think showed a, a good amount of uh, hustle and, and heart in this game. Uh, it's the first win uh, of the official non-Bruce era, right? You know, we've had you know a lot of 
tumult, I suppose, uh, in, in Revs land recently and, you know, a, a series of bad results and the coaching turnover and all that. So, um, to, to be able to pull out a win, even against, um, you know, maybe not a great team. I don't want to, you know, talk like Charlotte was, was some sort of juggernaut that we were trying to take down. Um, but, but getting a win here is, is gotta be huge just for the confidence of the players. It gets the ball rolling in the right direction. Um, and I think, you know, I liked what I saw from a lot of the, a lot of the players, they went down, you know, late again, um, which has been kind of a pattern with this team. And, and they managed to I think one minute later, get, get the lead back. So, you know, that's, that's something that's, um, needed to happen. And I think it, it's, it's gotta be confidence inspiring for the players, especially headed into a really tough part of the schedule. Now, I'll, I'll agree with you there, too, and I just want to point out the MLS standings as of right now. New England moves from sixth to third uh, with the win. Philadelphia and Columbus drew over the weekend, so they hurdle over both of those teams. New England has 52 points, only behind Orlando City with 54 points. And Cincinnati, they're not catching Cincinnati. Cincinnati won the Sporter Shield. Uh, but they do have a game in hand on Orlando City. So they're at 52 points, have a game in hand on Orlando City, who's two points above them. And then behind them is Philadelphia, one point behind Columbus, two points behind Atlanta three points behind and all those teams have played one more game than New England so if you look at the standings New England's in a great spot where you know in theory teams four through six shouldn't catch up to them uh, New England has a game in hand so they kind of control their own destiny here and they should be able to hold on to a top three seed uh, and potentially could move into a top two seed but I think if you just look at the bigger picture and the form that New England has been in um they're in a great spot, but there hasn't been a lot of uh, things that you can really build off of. And I, I agree with you. That I think win is a confidence builder. Uh, I think that it's one, it helps you in the standings. And two, if you didn't beat Charlotte, I think that's a real, real demotivator. And I think that's a really, really poor sign going through the remainder of the year. And I think that's going to have an effect throughout the locker room. So you avoid all of that. But here's my follow up to you, Andy, as a fan as, a, as someone that watches the revolution, are you more confident in this team today than you were going into this game? Uh, I don't think I'm, I'm more confident. I don't think I was as down on the team as, as most fans were through kind of the last uh, three, four matches. You know, we had a kind of a tough stretch, uh, even with Richie as the interim kind of at the helm. Um, but, you know, adjusting to a new coach in, in Clint Pay and, and adjusting to a new, you know, uh, formation. Um, I don't know. I always sort of thought that there was just a ton of talent on the team and like eventually given enough time, things would click. I don't think we've had enough time for things to truly click. And I don't even honestly know if we'll have enough time before the end of the season for things to really gel and click, uh, uh under the new, um, regime as it were, but you know, I, I was never quite as down on the team as, as many were, but I don't feel super confident about, about the upcoming stretch. You, you mentioned, uh, you know, we're in, in third and we're, you know, ahead of, of all these teams and we're behind Orlando. We, we play all those teams. Orlando's our next, uh, or, or Columbus is our next game. Then we play Orlando, then we play Nashville and we close out the season with Philadelphia. So they're all teams right around us. I'm not super confident that we're walking away with with too many wins in that stretch. Um, but I mean, I, I think we can, you know, we've already clinched the playoffs. Give us a couple more weeks to to gel. And, you know, there's there's talent on this team. I think I think we could pull something off here. Well, 
So uh, the reason I'm kind of asking that question, though, is because I think this win is big help, but it might help you uh, motivation-wise. But I, I think ultimately I'm not convinced this team is much better after that win. I, I think I wanted to see New England come in and take care of business, and Charlotte played really well. Uh, both these teams were even on expected goals. Possession-wise, they're around the same. Shots-wise, Charlotte, I believe, had 16, and the Revs had 9. Um, I know stats don't determine the score, but you know Dave Romney left pretty pretty poor defending uh, on that that cross there. Romney was able to slink off of his man, and so um, you know I, I I think the Revs I don't want to say got lucky because I, I I don't think it was luck, but this was a narrow margin, and you know the Revs Charlotte hit the crossbar at one point. Um, they they had some set pieces that. There were some headers that came awfully close to going in. So I, I don't think they won in a very convincing fashion for me. And hopefully this is a turning point mm -hmm. and the first step in a very long road that the Revs can kind of turn it around. Um, but I think I, I'm not convinced this team. I'm not more confident in this team tonight than I was two nights ago before the Charlotte game. And I think if they had gone out and they had won 3 nothing, 2 nothing, 3-1, um, and they really controlled the game start to finish, or at least looked like the dominant team through the majority of the game, I'd feel a little better about it. So I, I think we're kind of saying the same thing. I think you're just a little glass half full. I'm a little glass <laughs> half empty. And But I think what it comes down to, you, you've kind of hinted at this, though, a lot needs to come together. Yeah. And to me, this was kind of a game where I wanted to see it all come together. And I'm not... I, a little bit. It came together a little bit, but I, I'm still not convinced this is going to be a team that's going to make a deep playoff run. Yep. Yeah, don't hear what I'm not. I'm not saying. Um, I, I don't think that this was a like a stellar performance from the Revolution. I mentioned that uh, Charlotte's no juggernaut. They had one win in their last 15 matches in the league. So this is a team that was not great, and you're playing them at home. A win should be the expectation. Um, so like in right, we got outshot. Uh, I forget what it was, sixteen to nine. Um, they had, you know, of course that shot that rattled off crossbar. They had a couple of, of really decent chances. I think if this, you know, if we were playing Columbus on Saturday, this probably ends up as a pretty convincing uh, loss or maybe a draw if we're if we're lucky. Um, so you know, I, I agree. I think with everything you said, uh, I don't think this was a, a great game by any means. But uh, to have just just to get a win under the belts, have the new coach get a win under the belts, you know, breathe that sigh of relief. I, I think that's you know more so what I'm trying to get at with my key takeaway. I, I would agree. A sigh of relief is probably a, a good way of, of phrasing this game. Um, certainly we'd be having a much different tone and a much different reaction if this game ended 1-1. And for a minute there, it certainly felt like every Revs fan was in hell when Charlotte tied that game. I think we were really hoping we could see that game out, especially he took off Chancelet for, for Tommy McNamara, which I don't think we'll get into the subs that much, but certainly a defensive move. Uh, and, and boy, that immediately backfired. Um, so I, I think there was a moment where it was all crashing down and, and thankfully Dave Romney was there to save the day. Um, my key takeaway, I, I'm going to go to this well again, and I know we got some listener questions on it, but I'm, I've got to hit on this. The striker position has it seemed like a luxury at the beginning of the year where it was Bobby Wood or Vrioni, and both of them seem to be producing. I don't know what has happened, but the strikers are very poor. Uh, Bobby Wood had two really, really nice chances, does not bury either of them. Uh, first one was a 12th minute. Uh, Carlos Hill sends in a cross. He heads the ball over the bar. 
a little understandable, just got under a little bit. Um, 28th minute, Chanclay sends it across from the wing. Bobby Wood, I think, misreads it. Uh, totally whiffs on the header. That should have been a goal. So Bobby Wood's hot streak at the beginning of the year seems like that has died. Vrioni comes in. Um, I talked last week about how, you know, maybe Vrioni at home with, you know, people pushing forward maybe that plays to his style a little bit better maybe once you get him at home uh, and you're playing on the front foot uh, maybe he's a little bit more involved in the game not really 11 touches and 35 minutes for him uh, to be fair Bollywood had 17 in, in 55 so he wasn't involved in this one uh, much either one shot it was very off it was from a narrow angle uh, but it, uh, it was it was very far off um, I'm not impressed with either of these strikers and they've had all year to figure it out and it's been very disappointing and I know a lot of people want to talk about going to a three, five, two. Um, I wonder if Gustavo Boak comes back and is healthy. Is he your striker? <laughs> I mean, do you, do you bench both Frioni and Wood? Neither one of these guys are, are producing right now and it's really affecting the team. Um, chances are being created. And again, I'll go back to those two with Bobby Wood. A striker has got to finish one of those. So I, I don't know what the solution is here with Bobby Wood and Giacomo Frioni. I would hope Frioni finds his form, but um, we're running out of time here and there just seems to be a massive black hole at the front of the field and it's really, really costing the reps. Yeah, I would agree. I think the striker position has been kind of, you know, a problem for this team for a while now. And I, I think there was a time at the beginning of the year where we thought we had some, some options. I sort of feel like, you know, we're getting what we got at the beginning of the year, ju- just less lucky. Right. I think, uh, you know, towards the beginning of the year, we had, a you know, a good couple games out of, of Bobby Wood. He had a, a run there. He had a couple of spots where he, you know, he, he pressed high and he was able to win the ball in advantageous positions. And he, you know, he makes good runs. And I think that's something we see in this game as well, is that he's he's kind of where he needs to be. He just isn't quite like he doesn't have he didn't. I don't know if it was a stature thing. He didn't have the stature to get up to that that second cross from Shankalai. Or if he just misjudged it, but you know, he's you know, this is his career, right? He's been a good, you know, uh, you know, worker bee, right? He, he runs hard, he makes the right runs, he's he's got all the right intuition, um, but he's never been like a high level chance uh, finisher, except for maybe that that one season in um, I think it was Bundesliga two. So I, th- I think we're kind of seeing him come back down to earth a little bit. And I have, you know, I've never been super strong on the, the Vrioni train. Um, I think he, he does some things very well, but I, I don't know what it is about either him or about how this team plays that, that has a hard time getting him involved. But he, he, he has a hard time finding the game or finding chances uh, and the team has a hard time, you know, finding his feet, uh, which is how I think he prefers to play. No, I, I agree a hundred percent. And it's, it's, I feel like it's, um, I don't know. It, he does, doesn't connect. And you look at the players around him with Jean-Claude and heel um, and, and Nacho heel. And it, it seems like at this point he should be getting these chances uh, and, and getting more shots and getting more, I don't know. I, I don't know what's wrong with him. And I know the, I think we've been talking a lot about playing a two striker system and maybe that opens things up for him, but still as a designated player, whether or not you're playing alone by yourself or in a two striker system, you'd like to see a lot more production out of him. And I mentioned this last week, he has one goal uh, since league's cup uh, when he scored that hat trick uh, and, and Seth McComber tweeted this out uh, yesterday. Uh, Bobby Wood's last goal came on June 24th. 
So we are going on more than three months from goal with Bobby Wood. Giacomo Vioni's last goal came on August 30th. So we're over a month without a goal from him. Uh, and again, that's his only goal since League Cup, League's Cup. Uh, and Gustavo Bo's goal, last goal came on August 3rd, although he's obviously uh, been hurt uh, for the majority of that time. So just not a lot of production from the strikers. And it, it's really killing this team. And it seems like the very, very obvious glaring weakness right now is that when there are chances, um, they're just not putting it on frame and they're not finishing them. Yes, you know, I, th- I think that's that's totally uh, right and fair. I, in fairness to at least uh, a few of those players, we did kind of have like that month off um, for for the League's Cup. So, you know, those those month totals might be you know, exaggerated by one month versus you know, for a league play anyways. But yeah, I, with all the talent on this team, especially having Carlos Heel, right, who is a former MVP and... You know, we just got Sean Kalai, so we haven't had him for a, a ton of time, but he seems to me like a really talented player. I wanted to give him some props because um, I think he looked really good in this game. Um, he, he, for some reason, he, the stats didn't like him as much. I went back and, and dug through. He you know, he created a couple chances. He had one big chance created. Um, but I, I thought he looked the part, certainly, as a, of a player that I would be okay as a designated player. Um, you know, with all that that talent you know, on the wings, right? You know, Dewan Jones creating trouble. Um, there was uh, Nacho Hill had a good game in this one too. You know, so with all those players who are out wide, why can't we find a way to get the ball to the strikers? Why can't we get them involved? Is is kind of beyond me. Mm-hmm. Great, hundred percent. And I do want to give Chancelay uh, some love. I thought he had a phenomenal game. I, I don't think he's had a bad game yet uh, necessarily. Um, again, there are some, a few a few more games here before the Revs have to make the decision on whether or not to exercise that purchase option um, or, or whether or not they want to extend the loan. I believe it's an option to extend the loan or purchase uh, Sean Kalai. Uh, but uh, so far, phenomenal. Um, I, I thought the play where he took the goal kick with the, ba- the kind of backflip uh, and he kind of carried it through two defenders. The shot wasn't the best, but uh, showed some skill at his feet and showed he can kind of create something out of nothing. Uh, and that's really encouraging to see and i cannot imagine how exciting it's going to be if we get shankalai and dylan barrero out on the field at the same time on opposing wings um carlos hill will probably be in heaven so that'll be a lot of fun to watch if we we get that in 2024 um before we get to listener questions do you have anything else you want to talk about any other positives or negatives uh before we hop into questions uh, i'll give one more positive um i i want to give some some credit to mark anthony k i know he he's had kind of a kind of up and down go of things uh, since joining the revs. Um, but just from a, a pure stats standpoint, he had an excellent game. He had four tackles, uh, 10 recoveries. He won seven out of seven ground duels. He won two out of two aerial duels. He had 90% passing. And of course he has the assist uh, to Noel Buck. So I, you know, I think a very solid game from him, especially considering he's kind of being put in a position with this, new system that uh, Clint PA has been implementing where he's, you know, maybe playing a little bit of a different style than he used to under um, Richie and and Bruce before that. So I just wanted to give him some credit. I thought he played pretty well. And I'll also say too, on top of the assist to uh, Buck, he had a play in the 83rd minute. I think it was where a ball is kind of at the top of the box and Mark Anthony K shuts it down makes a sliding block um, on a, what could have been a very dangerous shot. And it just reminded me of the goal from last week where we gave him uh, some, some beef for, uh, you know, not following the, n- not, not paying attention and, and being too far close to goal and 
Um, this time he actually seemed to be in position uh, and made a very solid defensive play. So I thought this was one of Mark Anthony K's better games um, and, and certainly encouraging to see. I think if Polster is going to be at the outside back role, you need Mark Anthony K to kind of be a force uh, defensively in that midfield. So uh, let's get to some listener questions. Uh, Eddie kind of already touches on what we uh, where we've gone tonight. So I'll just kind of read this off as a comment and then probably just move on since we've kind of touched on this already. But uh, Bobby Wood was just embarrassing tonight. I'm out on Vrioni, but him even standing where a striker should be opened up so much space. Uh, so he's giving credit for Vrioni being a threat uh, and opening up space for other people. Uh, he also says with our wingers for next year, we just need a striker who can actually work hard. He also says redemption for Mark Anthony K and Dave Romney is team MVP. Uh, nice to see Dave Romney get some love too. Um, we don't usually talk about defenders and when we do, it's usually not for good reasons, but Dave Romney with all of the mess, uh, back in the back line, um, he's been a really, really solid, consistent player, uh, in the back there. So I, am glad he gets his moment in the sun, uh, with a game winning goal. Uh, he certainly deserves a lot of credit for the performance he's had this year. Yes. Always good to get a goal from a guy named Dave. <laughs> uh, Alden also says, is Mark Anthony K a fraud? I'm a little surprised. I thought, I, mean, I got to say, he's, he hasn't been great since he's come to New England. I thought this was a, a good game from him. So I think I'm going to disagree with Alden here. I thought Mark Anthony K had a solid game last night. Yeah, I, I, he didn't have a great game right the week before. And he's, I don't know, he's kind of been up and down. And I, I wonder if that's, you know, part of that is just him transitioning to a new team with new teammates or a new position or, or whatever it happens to be. Um, but yeah, he's, he hasn't been, you know, the player that we all knew and loved back when he was well at, with LAFC. And of course he had stints elsewhere where he was also not that player. So maybe it shouldn't be that surprising, but, um, yeah, I don't think we can take too much away from him in this game. I think he covered a lot of grounds. Uh, and like I mentioned earlier, if you're, if you're going to go into duels, uh, to win all of them across you know, both ground duels and aerial duels, that's. That's what you want your uh, defensive midfielder to be doing. Did he do? I I didn't see that. So he won all of his duels last night. Yeah, he was. Um, I think seven of seven, or what was he nine of nine? I can't quite remember. I don't have. Yeah, I got it. I got it here. Sorry, I looked it up yep. on uh, Footmob. Seven for seven on ground duels. Two yep. for two on aerial duels. Yep. He had seven defensive actions. Ten recoveries. Uh, two clearances, one block, four for four on tackles one. So a pretty solid night for him. Ninety percent pass accuracy too. According to Footmob, player of the game eight point seven. So I didn't have him down as a player of the game. Uh, but now that uh, you mentioned his stats, and now that I'm actually looking at it on, on uh, FootMob, it looks like Mark Anthony K was a uh, dark horse for man of the match. So good for him. I guess I was sleeping on him. <laughs> yeah, I think he did one of those. He had one of those games where he did everything right, and so he was kind of not noticeable, except for, of course, the the assist, which was great from him. Um, but you know, that's you know, between center defenders and and maybe uh, defensive midfielders, that's kind of what you want is kind of a, a ho hem, quiet, not uh, not paying too much attention to them kind of game. But I thought he was good. Great defensive play and sets up an assist. Mark Anthony K also, by the way, on who scored player of the game, 7.9 rating. So look at that. Mark Anthony K <laughs> for him. Uh, I will say uh, we talked about him coming now that we've said nice things about Mark Anthony K. Uh, I remember at the time of the trade, a lot of people from TFC pundits and, um, you know, extra time and, and national pundits 
kind of made the implication that Mark Anthony Kay did not do very well at TFC and it looked like he was in decline. And so they kind of had that same, you know, was it a new setting? Did he not fit the system or is he actually in decline? And so I think the fact that he's come to New England and he's kind of gotten off on the wrong foot, I'm kind of along that thinking of maybe we're not getting LAFC Mark Anthony Kay. But if we get the Mark Anthony Kay we got last night, I'm more than okay with it. I don't think he looks totally lost out there. Um, I think like Latif Blessing, I feel like he it was pretty apparent that he wasn't going to work out. Mark Anthony Kay has some moments where you say, okay, this guy, uh, he's going to work out. He's going to fit in the system. Um, he's just been a little bit more frustrating uh, than you like him to be. So. Yeah, I would agree. Um, in fairness to Mark Anthony Kay, his, his stops after LAFC were with uh, the Colorado Rapids, who have <clears throat> not been great um, the last few years. Um, and then Toronto FC, who were uh, have famously not been great this year. Um, so I, you know, I I don't want to take too too much away from how he looked at those teams, just because I think everybody kind of looked bad. And then he comes, of course, into the Revs uh, at a time where the whole team is <laughs> falling apart around him. So maybe we should cut him a little bit of slack. I, I think he he looks like the kind of player that, like you said, will work. So I, I think that's that's a positive for him. Yeah, boy, the number of headaches he's had to do. He's, you're right. Colorado Rapids, after uh, they sold off their 2021 team and, and started kind of tanking, Toronto FC in that mess up there with Bob Bradley and the fights in the locker room. And now he's come down here and he's got to deal with uh, the Bruce Arena fallout. Uh, boy, it's it's been a rough uh, rough travels for him. I didn't really put that together until you said that. But man, maybe maybe he's a bad locker room guy. Have we thought of that? Yeah, I, I'm going to blame this all on him. I think yeah. uh, it's probably there's, the smart there's a play. Common link. Yep, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Teal Forever says, comment, no question, appreciation for Mark Anthony Kay's ability to pass from the back. I think uh, he also says, I think I figured Vrioni out. He needs service vertically, but is limited in more diverse offensive builds, which kind of goes against what I think. I think you kind of need kind of an offensive buildup uh, and for him to make the run. But I guess he's saying he's just better in route one long ball soccer, um, which is very interesting. Uh, maybe I'm completely wrong on Vrioni, which I wouldn't be shocked about because I can't figure him out. Uh, he also says, what is Nacho's future as the club gets healthier? knock on wood i think nacho's in the starting lineup the rest of the year it's kind of similar to last year where he kind of carved out uh, a spot for him um i mean once dylan barrero comes back if sean Calais is still here he's obviously going to be a backup but i'm not sure anyone on the team right now can move him off of um the the starting lineup ima botang seems like he's been buried on the bench uh esmir seems buried on the bench um Dilla, uh, Damian Rivera, uh, uh, Renix isn't going to displace him. So there's no one really, I think, that's going to overtake him. I guess maybe Gustavo Bo, if you get him starting, you would find a way to move Nacho to the bench. But I think for the time being, he's going to be the starter. Um, and uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I, I, I know we had a question a few weeks ago about would you start Esmir over Nacho, but it seems like Nacho is very clearly the favorite right now. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, I think Nacho has looked looked fairly good. I actually don't think um, I think we're kind of getting of him what we what we thought we would uh, at the beginning of the season, which is you know competent player with you know some decent dribbling skills, um, you know good ability to to connect with other players, but maybe one who doesn't quite um, doesn't quite make that final impact uh, in in the attack. Um, so. I think that's kind of where we are with him. I think he's probably, like you said, I think he's probably the starter for now. Um, the only question is if Bo comes back fully healthy, maybe he displaces him. Um, I think we're probably, at least for the time being, 
looking at Bo kind of similar to he to what he did uh, in this game coming off the bench just um you know due to his age injury history um and you know the fact that he's just come off of another injury so I would expect you know to see Nacho in the starting lineup for the time being um and then next year you know we'll hopefully we'll get Barrero back um and in that case I would expect you know uh, Barrero and, and probably Sean Kalai if we if we keep him to be the two out on the wings so I would think he's he's probably relegated to a backup role I think he he's played well enough to get re-signed for me um but yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't plan on him being a starter next season forgetting what was the other half of that question because there was a kind of a two-part oh Vrioni uh Vrioni's uh service vertically uh but is limited in more defensive offensive builds Yes. Okay. So I, I did want to mention because a couple of his goals this year have kind of come through that that route one soccer, but um, it's not really like he doesn't want to win the ball in the air, right? Like, so we'll send a long ball over the top and he'll try and run onto it, but I don't know if it's just a speed thing or or a body positioning thing. But he he gets um, he gets outside position of the ball pretty frequently. Like a defender is pretty easily capable of getting in between him and the ball, I find on those long ones, unless the ball is coming, um, you know, up the gut on the ground. I think those are where he tends to, to shine. I don't know if it's just, um, when the ball's coming through the air, he, he can't get up to it or if he has a hard time, you know, playing that, that style. But, um, yeah, that's, that's been a strength of his. And I, I haven't brought it up before now, but I, I think that's something that's has always been a part of his game where I'm like, that's where he needs to be used is, you know, have him play up, uh, you know, on that on the line, um, and send a ball, kind of split the lines with with a pass through the back line, and have him run onto it, as opposed to kind of just lobbing it from, you know, your center backs up and, and hoping he can take it down. Uh, just quick note too, going back to Nacho Heel, uh, he did sign a two year contract before the season, so his contract is through twenty twenty four with a team option for twenty twenty five. So I imagine he'll move to a backup role regardless next year. Uh, the only other thing I was thinking is you could do kind of this same formation if Bo does move back to the starting lineup. Although again, you, you mentioned the health and building him back up, and maybe we're not there yet. But long term, you know, maybe you do a four two three one. Uh, and Bo is on the wing uh, and kind of plays maybe more centrally than a normal winger. Um, but I don't know. I, 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 I'm not totally sure what the best formation of this team is. We'll talk about formation later. Uh, but I, I think Bo is really the only answer to who's going to replace Nacho Heel. Uh, and the only other thing I'll mention about Nacho Heel was um, <laughs> I, I didn't realize this. It must be a headache for referees because not only do you have Carlos screaming at you, but Nacho pulls down his guy. He gets a yellow for a very deserved yellow and gets up and flips out, and then Carlos comes over and starts screaming too. So you have the Heel brothers uh, kind of in stereo shouting over what is a very obvious yellow. Um, it was a bit of a comical moment, uh, but I, I just thought, boy, um, th- this is a uh, dynamic duo in terms of uh, refereeing descent. Yeah, um, that's right. They're but... C and double, here and double. <laughs> um, Derek says oh, another uh, more more. Uh, 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 Romney love Romney is a top tier MLS center back unsung hero of the team. Absolutely. Uh, cannot shower enough praise uh, on Romney. And also what now really says, how long does Romney's contract run? We have that information here before this season. He signed a new contract with the revolution. It was a two year contract through 2024 with a club, club option for 2025. 
Um, I'll call it Min Tam. They they signed him to a contract, which basically brought him up to the Tam level. So he makes enough money so you can apply Tam to him, and it basically is a, a salary cap maneuver. But he's at six twenty five in salary, seven or sorry, six seventy one or six seventy two if you round up, uh, six seventy two thousand in total compensation. I imagine those are going to be his levels for next year, and maybe for the club option, maybe there's a, a bit of a increase maybe up to 700,000 in 2025. So good deal for the revolution. Uh, really, really solid value uh, and a pretty decent extension in my opinion. So um, we don't need to worry about Dave Romney going anywhere, anytime, anywhere, anytime soon. Uh, any, anything you want to add Andy or should I move on? No, I, I think you covered it. Um, yeah, that that's a decent level uh, to, to get him on there. That salary is a good level to have him on. Uh, if you're going to have his level of production and, and pretty much guaranteed, uh, starter caliber. So I think that's, that's good. We'll see, uh, if Kessler can get back healthy and, and maybe we have a, a decent pairing going forward. Um, not to, to speak ill of, of the other center backs we've kind of put next to him all season, but, um, yeah, we'll have to see. I think Dave's a good player to, to build around. I'll, I'll put you on the spot here. We weren't, we, didn't have this in the listener question segment, but what did you think about Andrew Farrell getting the start over Omar Gonzalez? I was a little surprised by it. I think it kind of makes sense too, because if you're doing the inverted uh, left back stuff with Polster, which they kind of got away from, I think you kind of need your center backs to be a little quicker. Uh, and I think Omar Gonzalez is not as fast as Andrew Farrell. So I, th- I think I kind of, that kind of made sense to me that they're going for speed there a little bit. Um, but I-, I was a little surprised to see Omar Gonzalez move to the bench after what seemed to be pretty solid performances um, and kind of the complete opposite of 2022 on Mark Gonzalez. So were you surprised to see Andrew Farrell in the starting lineup? I, I actually was. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of, we were, we were on our way up to the game um, and I, I glanced at the, the lineup while we were, you know, making our way toward the stadium. And uh, it didn't even occur to me that, that Farrell was in there and not, uh, and not Gonzalez. So uh, yeah, I think, you, you make a good point um, with with having to have a little bit more speed. I actually I have this game on, on replay. I'm just playing it silently on the TV in the background here. And I'm, I'm just watching Andrew Farrell's positioning. And I, I think they wanted him out there because he's more accustomed to playing right back. I don't think that's something that he maybe is maybe it's his best position at this point. But, you know, they had they're using him up on, on the right flank um with with pretty high regularity here um and i think they were just looking for maybe a little bit of that experience there were a couple moments i remember watching the game in person where um i thought that you know he was running up the right flank and i was like oh he doesn't like (laughs) he doesn't he doesn't like to be here like he's he it seems like he's used to playing center back and and he's being pushed into a, a wider spot than he's he's used to but maybe that's that's part of the tactical switch that they've made Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, let's go back to Henry Kessler because you mentioned him. Will Morris, he says, how many games does Kessler need before it becomes before the playoffs? Not much time left to build up form and fitness. Agree 100 percent. I believe he's returned to training. So that is positive. But there's four games left. There's a midweek game at home against Columbus. There is a road game next Saturday at Orlando City. The following week, October 14th, there is a road game at Nashville. And then they conclude the season on October 21st home versus Philadelphia. All those games are against top seven teams in the East and outside of Nashville, Columbus, Orlando, Philadelphia. They're all right in the mix battling New England. So these are all very important games. Not only is there a limited time, but it's not really a game that you can kind of ease someone into. Henry Kessler is getting thrown into the fire. I personally would like to see at least two games of 90 minutes from Henry Kessler. I'm not sure we'll get that. It also is not great that 
Revs 2 is in their playoffs, so it's not like Henry Kessler can go do a rehab start with Revs 2 right now. So um, I, I'm not sure when we see him debut, uh, but it would be nice to see him get out on the field. I would definitely say this next week, either in the Columbus or Orlando City game, um, but I'm not confident in that. Uh, Andy, what are your thoughts about Kessler's road to recovery? Yeah, I mean, we got all this news earlier in the season that he was, you know, going to beat this recovery timeline. It was like a four month thing. He had surgery. But, you know, there's a lot of optimism that he's going to be able to beat the timeline. And then in the middle of the summer, we get an update that he's walking around without a boot and he's, you know, he he's ahead of schedule. And all of a sudden he's back in training and he's looking really good. And, you know, we're we're well past, I think, that that four month time estimate at this point. So I don't really know um, when he's he's coming back. Um, this team's not particularly transparent about their, you know, the, the injuries and, and timelines and that sort of stuff. So I, I guess I'm not surprised that we don't really know. But, um, yeah, I, I will be honestly kind of surprised if we see him before the end of the regular season at this point. Um, if he if he's healthy enough, I, I think you could feel relatively comfortable um, giving him a couple minutes, but I don't know that you're, you know, subbing him in uh, at center back in the middle of the game unless things are going uh, poorly, or I guess maybe really well, and you want to sub in a third center back to, you know, help close things down. But yeah, without having, you know, an opportunity to get minutes at, at Revs too, I just don't know how you can ease him back into into playing fitness at this point um, without, you know, without putting him right in uh, from the get-go. And I'm not sure that's something we're going to try at this point. And it's also worth mentioning, I believe, that Henry Kessler is out of contract at the end of the year. I don't think he reaches free agency status, but I believe his contract is up. Uh, and I believe, I've, I've never seen a contract extension mentioned for Kessler, so I believe his contract is up. You know, don't yell at me if that is wrong, but I believe his contract is up. And if that is true... There's a bit of an awkward situation where, you know, if you're the player, you don't want to come back and re injure yourself going into a situation where you got to negotiate a new deal or look around. So um, if he is at a contract that might be playing a little bit behind the scenes here sure. uh, that we, we got to be aware of. Yep. Um, Greg, I'll put you on. Oh, I'll, I'll put you on the spot here. If his if his contract is is over are in your Revs GM, are you looking to re-sign him for next season? I'm looking to re-sign him. Um, it's worth remembering too that omar gonzalez is out of contract and i know i said last week that i'd maybe consider bringing him back on a backup deal i don't think that suggestion was very popular with our listeners so let's <laughs> say they let him leave in free agency uh, andrew farrell is on i'll call it again a min tam deal where he's making about 625 650 in salary uh, but he has two team options uh, he's he's not that level that is starting, you know, plus plus quality uh, center back at that rate. So I imagine they're going to decline that team option with Andrew Farrell and maybe negotiate him down, uh, maybe back to a salary that he was with at, at earlier. So I, I think Andrew Farrell also, you might see his option declined um, and he would be a free agent. So maybe he looks elsewhere um, if he doesn't want to stay in New England. So you already have kind of a need at center back and you're going to need to bring in a new center back. I know they have Santiago Suarez coming up from revs too, but I don't think he's going to have be anything more than a backup in year one. So you need someone to pair with Romney. So even though Kessler is an injury risk, I definitely think you go and you negotiate and you do again, Kessler is not at free agency level. I believe you need five years of MLS uh, service for that. So Kessler's negotiating power is a little limited. Um, so I, I would negotiate with Kessler and see, I, I don't know exactly what, the dollar amount would be. I mean, I'll throw out 
450, 500-ish. Um, you know, maybe that's where my starting bid would come in uh, for Kessler to be a starting center back. But um, I, I don't know. It's It depends on if he's looking elsewhere. If I believe he has a European passport, so maybe his agent is making calls overseas. Certainly that adds some leverage on his side. Um, but if it's just domestically, you know, unfortunately major league soccer the rights of players aren't that great so if he's limited to kind of negotiating with the revs and negotiating a contract with the revs um you know he doesn't have as much leverage there so i think the revs might be able to work out a even if it's just a one or two year deal um i think you definitely need to go to the negotiation table and, and bring him back just because um center back is going to probably be a area of need uh, just based on the contract situation yeah, I think I'm I'm right there with you. I think we have kind of the same idea. Um, you bring up a good point with with both uh, Gonzalez and Andrew Farrell both being up there and being you know towards the end of their contracts. So y- you will need somebody, um, and, and I I would be very comfortable bringing him back, um, maybe with a shorter term deal. But you know he's been a player that's showed a lot of promise and also has missed a, a pretty significant chunk of time. So it's, it's tough to, tough to gauge that kind of player where they, they're good when they play, but you know, how often are they doing it? Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of just throwing out a dollar amount. Cause I don't know. I don't know if you'd be a TAM player at this point uh, with like, along with Romney this year, but um, it would make, again, throw out the dollar amount though. It would kind of make sense for the revolution to um, sign him to, even if it's a one year deal and, maybe Kessler wants to build up his market value uh, and then get to free agency next year. Sure. Um, I think that would be a good kind of in between where if they could negotiate kind of a one year, maybe the salary is a little bit higher, but the team gets one more year of Henry Kessler. Kessler gets that one year and then he's a free agent and you negotiate with any other MLS team. Uh, so it reminds me of the Adrian Beltre deal with the Red Sox. This is going to be a throwback reference for our <laughs> over 30 listeners. Uh, Adrian Beltre came off a pretty poor year, went into free agency, came to the Red Sox for one year to boost his value, had a phenomenal year, then went off to Texas and made a ton of money. Uh, so it might be something like that where, you know, it's just a player that kind of wants that stopgap to build that value. And um, I, I think Kessler will be in a much better spot to negotiate next year. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where it is, but I, I definitely think you got to negotiate and try to bring him back because either way you're going to need to f- go out and find a partner for Dave Romney. And I think Kessler has actually been pretty solid when he's been out there and healthy. Yep. I agree. And, and you also have to keep in mind that Dave Romney is, he's certainly younger than, you know, Gonzalez and, uh, Farrell, but he's no spring chicken at, at 29 either. So, um, if you're if you're contingency planning for the future, I think maybe a stopgap solution makes sense uh, for kind of the near term, and you can kind of maybe work to to build Santiago Suarez up, or you can you know look to find someone who's going to be around you know maybe longer. But um, yeah, I'd be very comfortable bringing him back, especially short term. But you know, I've liked what I've seen from him. You just gotta you just gotta hope he stays healthy. Just gotta get on the field. That's right. Uh, Paulo says we are fortunate to get the W against the subpar team. Wood and Verioni have been major letdowns of late, but it's great to see Bo back. Hope his presence is a catalyst. Sadly, expecting to lose, expecting us to lose on Wednesday unless we can improve our play. So Paulo definitely in the half empty uh, side of things along with me. Uh, he says, what's our prediction for uh, Wednesday's game? Uh, and Wednesday's game is against, I just had it, Columbus at home. I will, full disclosure, I may already have a bet on the draw here. Uh, I think this is a this is I, I think this has draw written all over it. New England can't score, but they are good at home. I don't think they're going to lose. Uh, Columbus is coming off of a disappointing draw where they had Philadelphia at home. Uh, I, I think that this has draw written all over. It. I'm going to go one one. That is, I, I'm surprised because I, I 
I think I'm more uh, optimistic about the team, and I also think that a draw is is the likely outcome here. But I, I mean, they're a good team, Columbus. They have the players that you know that can hurt you, and they have a, a very good coach in Wilfred Nance. And um, I I won't be surprised if it gets away from the Revs. Like I wouldn't like a four four nothing four one loss is not out of the realm of of uh, possible outcomes in my head, but um, given their home form and, you know, I'm hoping that this win, uh, even if they didn't look great, gives them a little bit boost of confidence. And, and I think, you know, I'm thinking one, one feels about right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Porter says, why can't the revs go three, five, two. It's their best formation right now. Hands down. Um, I don't know why. And by the way, I should pull up. He, he sent along a photo. He has Farrell, Omar, and Romney as the back three. Jones on the right. Chancolet on the left. Buck and Polster uh, in the midfield. Carlos Hill kind of as your number 10. And then Vrioni and Bo up top. The one thing I'll say about that formation, and this probably is what throws it off, is Chancolet, you want kind of more up the field. Whereas if you have him kind of as your wing back, you you risk him, you know, having to kind of be back in the defensive third and the defensive half more often than you want. You want him kind of going at defenders and countering. Um, he, he was very dangerous there last night. So in this formation, I'd almost want Chancolet up top as one of your strikers and kind of play a little roaming, um, kind of in the Gustavo Bow role, whereas Veroni is kind of your in-the-box uh, striker. So you kind of have different roles among those top two. Um, I think that is your your issue with the three-five-two. It's that where does Chancolet fit? Because uh, he's not a natural striker, you kind of want him as a winger. Um, and uh, three-five-two, um, if he has more defensive responsibilities, that might screw it up a little bit. Um, the other thing too is it's a different formation. There's not a lot of time left. The Revs are kind of screwed on time. Um, but I I think three-five-two on paper is what you should be aiming for. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I like three-five-two. Um... I do worry about it exposing um, kind of the wider areas for the Revs, especially because they love, have liked traditionally to push their um, fullbacks, and these would be wingbacks now, up, up pretty high. Um, and we saw that against um, Chicago in the last game. You know, they figured out because we were we were pushing that pollster from left back into the midfield, right? So you effectively have a three back. Uh, back there, they figured out pretty quickly that that was there was some some wide space that you could pretty easily exploit. So I, that does worry me a little bit. Um, to your point about Shankalai, I thought about this um, for a couple of weeks now. Um, and I know he has traditionally played as a winger, but I I wouldn't be mad about seeing him as as a forward in a in a two forward setup. Um, we saw the Revs do this with, with uh, Barrero earlier in the season. I forget against which opponent. Um, maybe it was Houston. Uh, it was like the, maybe the second or third game of the season. Um, but, you know, that was a, a role that was kind of like a hybrid. He he started on the wing, but he kind of ended up moving up uh, up the field into that forward spot. And he was very effective at that. Uh, I see a lot of, of promise in, in Sean Kalai. I think he's a guy that um, when he's running with the ball at, at defenders, he, he brings something that I don't think the rest of the Reds do. Um, maybe with the exception of, of Pereira, who of course is, is hurt. But um, I, I would like to see if we're going to do a, you know, a two striker uh, setup or a two forward uh, line and, and three in the back, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Shankalai as one of the two up, up top. 
And by the way, uh, Dave says on threads, Reiner, be our friend on threads. Come follow us on threads. Uh, Dave says, what do you think is our best formation lineup for this team going forward? Interesting to see recent tweaks, which to me seems promising, yet our success uh, in the second half went back to our 4-2-3-1 roots with Dewan on the left. And it is worth noting that they seem to abandon that kind of inverted left back thing they were trying in in Chicago, um, and Klimpier mentioned uh, after the game. Boy, and boy, how refreshing is it to have a coach tell you what he's thinking? Yeah. Oh my goodness, am I in <laughs> heaven? Oh my good. Uh, he, he he mentions, and I'll, I'll paraphrase here because I won't read the whole paragraph. Uh, but he said basically, Mackenzie Gaines was giving them all sorts of problems. They switched Dewan and Matt Polster in the second half, so they were kind of matching speed with speed. Uh, so they kind of played matchups. Um, and he he says uh, that's kind of something that they're going to have to do, which is great. Great. A coach that plays matchups and, and uh, makes adjustments on the fly. Wonderful. So I don't know if this is the end of the inverted left back thing. Um, I think this was the game for it to work and it didn't seem to work. Uh, so I, I don't know uh, if, if they're going to do that, but uh, they did revert back to kind of their standard four, two, three, one, as Dave says. Um, I, I, I don't know if that's the best formation, but I think that's what they're going to roll with going forward. Uh, but they're really going to try to find ways to get Matt Polster going up, even if they weren't able to do it in this game. I, I think that's going to be the goal where they're going to try to get Matt Polster up and and involved in the passing attack as much as possible, uh, which they haven't really done outside of that inverted left back thing. Yes. Yeah. I, well, for starters, yeah, I totally agree. How how refreshing is it right, to have a coach that is going to give you that level of, of insight into, you know, what he was seeing in the game and why he made the adjustments that he made. And, you know, we never got any of that um, from Bruce as good a coach as, as he was. Right. But we never got any sort of insight from him hardly at all. Um, but, uh, yeah, for, for in terms of formation, I think we're kind of, you know, we're kind of stuck with a, a four, two, three, one, and it's not, you know, we just don't have the healthy bodies left right at this point to do much else. You could do a two forward setup, but for some reason they haven't, and they must be seeing something in training that, that shows that they, you know, that that doesn't work. Um, because, you know, I, I, I posted an article, um, it was two weeks ago. Now I briefly touched on, on Vrioni and, and how his involvement is, is maybe not where you'd want it to be. Um, in his very limited minutes where he has started alongside another forward in a two striker setup, he has had his two best, uh, two highest touch totals and his two highest touches per minute, uh, totals of, of his refs, uh, career this season. So it, I think it's something that can work, but they, you know, they must be seeing something that, that we're not, that they're not trying it. So I think we're probably at a four, two, three, one for the rest of the season. But yeah, I agree without, um, without buy, you got to find a way to get some um, bolster, you know, more involved if that's the way you're going to play. And I'm looking at this to answer the question of best lineup formation. I think I'd like to do the the three five two five three two three five two, and then assuming there's no limitations on time or injuries, if you have Kessler, Romney, Farrell in the back, you have Dewan Jones on one side, you're still missing a, a left back. And and I know Porter put in Chancolay, so there's kind of a an issue there. Do you put Polster there and kind of maybe play him? I don't know. This is this is a very difficult. There's the lack of a wing back is really killing this team for that that type of formation. Um, but you have options in the middle with bucks and harks uh, and then K. And then if you have Polster there, you can put him there too. And then heel. And then I put Shank and Verione up top. The issue is just, do you have two guys that can run up and down the flank and also play defense? 
Um, that's going to be tough. Maybe Chocolat is maybe maybe he's convincing me that Chocolat is the player to go there. So um, I, w- I will say too, maybe a three five two gets Kessler minutes. Maybe that's a problem that solves it. Um, that you can kind of go three in the back, uh, and Kessler is one of those three guys. Um, maybe that helps him ease in. But I don't know. I I, I think the time is really an issue here. Uh, did you have any thoughts on the best formation going forward? Assume assume no limitations. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you, you raise a good point about, uh, if, if that's a, you know, that makes a good deal of sense to get Kessler back into the game to play a three back, uh, or three center backs, uh, and a three, five, two or five, three, two or whatever it is. Um, I, I think that can work. Uh, I think honestly, you probably, you keep on going with the, with the four, two, three, one, uh, and you, you kind of instill some, you know, maybe some more hybrid roles uh, in players. Maybe you have, um, you know, Buck uh, you know, work a little bit forward to kind of support uh, Polster up the flank and, and you know, maybe pinch him in uh, on occasion. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's just given the personnel that we have available to us, I think that's what's going to make the most sense for us for now. Um, you know, this roster is kind of constructed with a lot of players who can who can and have, uh, you know, played multiple roles. Um, and also no right back. Um, so I think that's kind of, that's kind of where we're at is you're going to end up with, with a team that doesn't have, a, a you know, doesn't have a brand to buy on it and, and has to kind of account for that by having a lot of guys kind of play multiple positions at the same time. Uh, big nation also on threads. Remember, be our friend on threads. Uh, he says, is there a world where we effectively implement a two striker system this season or is it too late now? And we just have to settle for both Brioni and wood looking largely isolated and ineffective by teammates, uh, on that Island up front. Uh, I feel like we've touched on this, uh, already, but I think that's a, a very good way of putting it that I think they're kind of just stuck at this point. Yeah, uh, I we'll, think you we'll could, I mean, sorry, not to, to step on, on your toes here, but I, I think you can like the only way I think it happens is if Bo comes back and is ready to play you know, substantive minutes, because I think he's your best bet to play in a two striker setup with, with other, with those other guys. Um, in one of the games, uh, in which, uh, Vrioni started next to, uh, a striker, it was next to Bo. And he had, I think that was, that was the one where he had the most involvement. So it, it can work. You'd have to pull someone from the midfield, presumably to do it. Um, but I think that's really the only way it gets done this year. Uh, Getting on to actually, Josh says, was this game proof? PA's system is starting to click. Um, I don't know about that. I still think this team looked a little sluggish uh, and didn't play to their best. It certainly wasn't a convincing win. And I think he inver- he got rid of the inverted uh, left back thing. So I don't know how much of his system is there. Um, but I will say he made adjustments on the fly. He made some common sense switches. Um, the Tommy McNamara sub, I understand. I guess he's just taking off Sean Calais and um, putting on a. Uh, uh, a defensive player. So I, I don't want to hate on that sub too much, but I, I do think Wood was struggling. He puts in Vrioni in the 55th minute. I feel like that's earlier than we normally would have seen uh, from a sub from, you know, Bruce. I still think there aren't a ton of depth options here, but I think overall, I, I think he did a pretty good job with his in-game management uh, on this one, uh, all things considered. Yeah. I, I want to give him some credit for, you know, it, he was not put into an easy situation to come into. And he is, you know, a part of the the revs setup, so he's presumably got or had some sort of marching directions um, as to how to coach revs too. But you know that's that can be different from the way you know the you know, the, the first team was coached, and so he's had to instill some kind of new tactics um, on the fly while also 
trying to maintain, you know, the structure that exists. And, and so I think he's done pretty well with what he's been given. I, I do want to say, I think it's pretty funny. Um, I think it was, I think it was the globe. I think it was Frank Delappa, um, but I might be misremembering uh, who, who posted a quote of, of PA before the game saying that he wanted the refs to play more aggressive uh, and take more chances. Or maybe that was some um, assistant coach. Um, Marcelo Santos yes, said that. that was, and I believe he right. said that on, oh, I don't know the radio show, but you're right. It was the assistant. Uh, Santos. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I, I misremembered the, uh, the quote, but yes, they wanted to play more aggressive. And then, you know, I had that in my mind watching this game and I, I spent most of the time going, they're not playing very aggressive <laughs> right there. They, they totally scrapped. It seems like that, uh, that inverted left back situation, you know, so they're, they're keeping numbers back. They're playing a pretty, you know, tight back line. They're, you know, uh, they're playing up the, the flanks. They're not really playing through the middle of the fields as, as much as you would expect them to, if they were playing more aggressive. Uh, I will say in, in the first half, I, you know, I made a note at halftime that all of their best chances basically came uh, from direct uh, direct play, either on the counter or in transition, and um, so I guess maybe that's that's what they were getting at. But uh, it, that's not how it played out, and it's it's not how they got their goals. So um, yeah, I, I want to see a little bit more of of their system and what they're trying to implement. But I'm not sure I I know enough of that at this point to say it's it's going great or not great because we've we've seen three games and they've all kind of had a, a different feel to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good comment. I'm, I'm not going to uh, re- rehash what you said, but good comments all the way around. Uh, Tim says, Buck was great tonight. Revs need players like him who are good in tight spaces and can strike the ball hard and on goal often. They often struggle in that area when they get near the opponent's 18. Kind of what you said there, too, where a lot of their goals come from uh, transition uh, related. I can't justify benching Buck. Sucks for Ian Harks because he's been so damn good, but he might be the odd man out here with Polster needed in the back line and K being a better fit as a deep lying six. I agree with that 100% too. And by the way, Ian Harks was pulled from the game last night. Uh, he was available as a bench player, uh, but then he was pulled as a sub. And the quote here from Clint PA afterwards, he says, I think he had something that was just lingering, kind of had to be pulled because of that. So that's that. Ian Harks sounds like he is dealing with some sort of lingering injury. Um, I guess he went out there for warmups and didn't feel right, and they pulled him. So not a good sign, uh, but thank goodness we have Noel Buck right there. Anything you want to say about Noel Buck before we move on? He's just got such good you know, awareness and, and positioning and body control. Like it's This is not something that, that we really see. I think Sean Clay has it a little bit, but if he gets on the ball – and, and he is being surrounded or attacked by defenders trying to take the ball off of him. He just knows exactly where his, his body needs to be to shield the ball. He knows exactly when to take the right touches. He knows exactly when he should be moving the ball out wide, when he should be trying to take a touch past the defenders. So I've been you know continuously impressed with him, especially for his age, um, to, to have all that. And um, you know I, I think he rarely gets taken off the ball. He rarely gets muscled off the ball or, or, you know, is, is in a bad position to, to keep possession. So, um, yeah, I, you know, props, props to him for, for having a good game and, and for impressing me and for impressing a lot of people around here. 
Uh, agree 100%. And Tim also says, could Polster be traded this offseason with our glut of good midfield options? He's the oldest, and the Revs could get good value for him. As a fan, I'd hate to see it, but I wonder if it makes sense for the club. Thanks, guys. Uh, just a quick update on Matt Polster's contract situation. He was signed to a contract extension in the middle of last season. It was a two-year extension, so it runs through 2024. And there was also a team option for 2025. I absolutely could see that happening, especially with the acquisition, uh, acquisition of Mark, Mark Anthony Kay. Um, I think any player with a contract that is expiring in 2024 or 2025 um, might be traded. I think Tommy McNamara is in that category two he's got a contract through 2024 with a team option for 2025 um it's also worth noting a new coach is coming in so um it's very possible that he looks at some of these contracts expiring one or two years decides who is not going to be here uh under his regime uh, and trades uh and gets what value he can so i think matt polster is a trade candidate i wouldn't say he's going to be the first person um traded uh, i i would have a few other people in mind um but i i think it's not out of the realm of possibility that the revs take some calls for matt polster uh, and he finds a starting job in the defensive midfield somewhere else um andy anything you want to add or should we move on uh no i, I think you you kind of nail it there i i would be sad to see him go but you know we do have a new uh presumably a new head coach coming in um, I, I will be very surprised if, if Clint P.A. is the head coach of the revolution next year, even if he uh, continues to do well with what he's given. But, um, yeah, he, he's just got probably, honestly, among the most value of, of any of the players you have. And he plays a position that you know has some redundancy, so I can see it. Um, just a couple of quick updates. John Pilkington, what happened to Ryan Spaulding? Was it ever confirmed to be he, uh, sorry? Was it ever confirmed he had a concussion? And is that what is still keeping him out? I believe it's a concussion. That's what I've heard. I don't think it was ever officially stated it was a concussion. Um, and those are obviously never fun. So I imagine they have Ben Sweat as a backup left back. You don't want to rush someone back from a concussion. I imagine that is what the injury is. Um, I also believe he returned to training. I thought I saw him in a photo of training. Um, someone might want to correct me and, and double check that one. Um, so I, I believe he's at training. Um, but, uh, maybe he's just working his way back. But I, 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 if I remember correctly, uh, it was a concussion that, that took him out. And then one more thing too here, uh, blue J six. Here's my question. What's with the keeper? Uh, they say he's not ready. Why injury? If it's Earl, then so be it. But I'd like to know, um, he's talking about Thomas Vatsleek who came in. Um, Charlie Davies mentioned on, uh, the DJ bean show, uh, that he is, I believe he said he's not sharp. I believe that is the word that Charlie Davies used. Uh, and then Klimpier was also asked about it. Uh, and then with Vatsleek, uh, I think he's a professional. He hasn't played in a while, and we're just trying to get him up to speed as it relates to being game fit and game ready. So reading between the lines there, he's he's not ready. Uh, and it sounds <laughs> like he's just not, you know, not doing very well in training. Um, and it's pretty bad that he's not a, at least on the game sheet, for uh, Jackson, uh, or, or sorry, Edward, Earl Edwards is the starter. It's bad enough that he's not starting and he's not ready to take over at this stage. But uh, Jacob Jackson is, is listed as the backup. I think at this point it's ideal to have that sleek, at least in the game day roster, at least as the backup, ready to go. And the fact that he's not even listed as the backup is a really bad sign that practice is not going very well. So, um, again, we're running out of time. <laughs> a lot a lot of these uh, questions, there's not a lot of time. Right. And time is running out. And if I was not getting into the game day roster with three weeks left, um, that doesn't really bring a lot of confidence that this is going to be the guy taking us into the playoffs. So I don't know when you can expect to see him. 
Uh, but uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if it's not for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I'll, and I'll leave it there. Yeah, I, I think that you haven't seen him yet, and he's been theoretically available is is a pretty pretty damning piece of evidence that things aren't going the way they anticipated they would. Right? He's a he's a professional. He's had a, you know a long career uh, playing all over the place. Right? So it's surprising at this point that he. Uh, that he's struggling to to get to match fitness and to to get to that sharpness, as Davey uh, put it. Um, but yeah, I, I think there is certainly in the position they put themselves in by by selling Petrovic. We're hoping for a player who'd be ready more uh, more quickly. Mm-hmm. And and it's also worth noting too, this isn't an ITS situation like last year when the Revs traded for Tajori Shirati. His contract was already there; it was a trade, and the Revs. I don't know what exactly happened there. I don't know what happened with LAFC and the Revs, but Tajori Shirati had a contract. So he didn't, you know, the, when you're signing a new player, you come in and you pass a physical. Yeah. So he passed his physical. Yep. So they didn't, they didn't see anything wrong with him. I, it sounds like he's just not training well. It sounds like he's just not game fit, not game ready. I don't know if it's, it's, you know, he had an extended holiday and he took the the most advantage of it and <laughs> had one too many beers and you know really got into nachos or something but i think it's he's the conditioning is poor that's what it sounds like yeah if he is if he's somebody who's into nachos we should mention that we do have a player named nacho so we could really maybe that'll help ease him into the into the lineup he needs to be more like nacho and uh, lay <laughs> off the nachos that's right charles maddox says the boys need to enjoy the win and stay focused as the next two uh, really starts the hardest stretch of the season. And it is true. They're really ending uh, with a bit of a gauntlet here, and it's going to determine playoff seating. Um, Jake P, uh, Revolution Central, also says, back-to-back ga- big games coming up. Uh, will we go back-to-back, or will uh, will it be over come October 8th? Oh, boy, that's will it be over? Oh, my goodness. So that's uh, a week from now. Um, <laughs> we've kind of predicted a draw. I would not be surprised if we see a loss in Orlando. So Yeah. I, I would be happy if we come away with, I'll say, four points. I would love a win at home and a draw on the road. Realistically, I mean, if if we're talking next week and the Revs come away with two points, I can't say I'm surprised. Yeah, I, I mean, I, <laughs> like I said earlier, the, the range of outcomes is is pretty wide, you know. Um, the only thing that keeps me from, from thinking that uh, we might – looking at, at being overrun on Wednesday is, is the fact that it's at home where we've been much better and we have this this win under our belt um, but you know he says it's it's you know tough games back to back it's tough games back to back to back to back at this point right there's no easy games from here on on out right you know Columbus is a good team they, it will be in New England so they have that but then it's you know it's on the road again uh against Orlando who is in second place and has been playing very well lately. And then it's on the road again in Nashville. Nashville does not concede goals. That's just the thing that they do. Uh, so at home for them, I, I would imagine that's, that's going to be tough sledding for the Revs. Then it's at, it, it's back to, to Gillette again, but it's against the union who for my money still look like maybe the best team in the East um, or right up there with, with Cincy for me. So it's it's tough sledding the whole way whole way there. Um, I'd be happy with a draw uh, on, on. Well, I'd be happy with a win, obviously. But I, I think a draw feels like a, a reasonable outcome. But I, I won't be surprised if things uh, take a turn. Do you think they'll get 
I'll say let's put the over under at points at one and a half. So the Revs either need to draw, draw, or win one of these games. Are you taking the over or the under? Um, I have this pegged as, as a draw on Wednesday and a loss on, on Saturday. So I'll say the under. I, I would agree with that 100%, and that's why I set the line there. Uh, it is worth noting, though, Orlando, Philadelphia, Columbus, Atlanta, they're all playing each other. There's games against Nashville. Orlando has a game against um, Toronto. Uh, so that's obviously in their favor. But if you look at Philadelphia, Atlanta, Nashville, New England, if you look at Columbus, they got uh, uh, New England, Atlanta, Montreal. I guess that's Montreal technically a, a playoff team by the stupid playoff system that MLS <laughs> is implementing now. Uh, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Columbus, Cincinnati. Maybe Cincinnati's not playing that hard that last week of the season. Um, so all these teams are playing each other. It's, it's going to be a very, very tight battle and it's going to be mono and mono. It's going to be very exciting down the, down the stretch. Um, but with that being said, New England is by far the worst in form. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Like all those teams, it's, it's going to be a dogfight at the top of the East for sure. But looking at all those teams and, and just looking at what the reps have been through, um, they inspire the least confidence in me of, of the teams in the top four. But like you said, they're all playing each other. You know, things can get crazy quick in this league. So I think the goal is is a home field uh, playoff series. And I think that's the top four. So if you can, you know, even if results don't go perfectly, I, I think there's still some room to to pick up enough points to do that. I agree 100%. Uh, let's end here with James. Uh, massive game-winning header from Dave Romney. A long time coming. When can we see it again? Uh, I don't know if he's asking about when will we see a Dave Romney game-winning header. I, probably a while. Um, but I'm going to assume he means when will we see our next win? Um, and, and you and I, I think, are a little... You started this episode glass half full. I've kind of pulled you into the negativity, <laughs> getting you to say it out loud that these results coming up might not be so good. Um, when do you think we're going to see our next win for the revolution? Yeah. Um, well, I, I will say I, I came in glass half full. That was a conscious decision. I really wanted to, <laughs> I really wanted to talk myself into to thinking things were rosy. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough, right? Because you have, you have two games at home, um, so I think your most likely opportunity to get a win at home is is probably on Wednesday against Columbus. Columbus, you know, is potentially the most vulnerable defensively of those teams, um, and and you will be at home. But you know, failing that, it's it's like I said on the road against uh, Orlando. I think that's that feels like a loss to me, and it's it's on the road at Nashville that feels like. A loss, maybe a draw if you're if, if things break your way, and then I mean, it's a home game against against Philly. Philly's just a good team, man. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think if you get, if you if you run out through the rest of the season and you pick up five points, um, that would feel like a really good close to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean this is this is brutal. There's no easy win here. I mean, we looked at the Charlotte game and we said this is clearly an inferior opponent. It's at home. This is all the makings of a win and you kind of got by, uh, you're going to have to step it up uh, down the stretch here. Um, we think the, this week's against Columbus is a draw. Maybe you can squeak out a win at Nashville if you find your form. I, I'm not putting that past them. I don't see them winning in Orlando. I also think there is a possibility you have some shenanigans where Philadelphia, the situation is they need a win. And so, you know, a tie does them nothing, but a win might give them a spot. And so maybe they go 
aggressive and the revs are able to counter and, and uh, hit him there. So I, I think you have a chance depending on what the situation is uh, with Philadelphia, where you're back at home, uh, you want to finish the season strong. Maybe if a lot of these questions are ironed out um, and you know, your, your goalkeeper has come in uh, and he's done his yoga and he's lost 10 pounds and he's, <laughs> he's a stud, yep. you know, maybe we're able to beat Philadelphia, but truth be told, I don't know if there's a win left on this schedule um, and, and I'm not confident in either. So, um, it's yeah, be interesting. It's I think. Be interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think if there's going to be a win, it's going to be on on Wednesday. Uh, to to the point where maybe uh, Philadelphia is playing aggressive. Um, if if Philadelphia is playing aggressive, they're playing against a back line that has no right back. So, I, I think they they might be uh, in for a, a decent enough day if that's the way they they want to play it. Um, you know, we've, we've been able to hit on the counter recently. So maybe that, that is something we can work out, but um, yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. It doesn't seem like there's any easy games here. Uh, you're, you're trying to pull out as much optimism as possible. I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Um, but that, that's it for listener questions. Andy, is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up here today? Uh, I, I do want to give uh, a quick shout out. This was the first game I had been to um, since they they completed the stadium renovation project. Uh, you know, with with the whole thing in its glory unveiled, um, and so I was at the stadium. It looks great. Uh, everything is. It just feels much more cohesive. Everything feels like it's much more. Um, you know, uh, it's it's fan oriented. Um, we we went to the little fan experience thing with with our daughter, um, and, and she had a good time doing that. Um, and I, I will also uh, give a shout out. Uh, apparently, some Patriots fans were a little too rowdy with with our seats, and and one of the seats uh, was broken when we arrived, and and so I had to talk to one of the customer service people who was very nice. Um, about getting it fixed. And in like the 20th minute, we had someone come down with like a drill and a, and a spare set of uh, seat hinges. And it was just, you know, uh, fixing, fixing a seat in the middle of the game. So I wanted to give him a little shout out and say, thank you for helping my back not hurt so much. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame that Patriot fan for breaking the seat. <laughs> uh, I mean, have you seen the Patriots this year? Woo. Yeah, I guess I cannot believe I got Dallas minus seven. <laughs> I, I, someone told me that on Monday and I immediately bet it. Uh, and I regret not betting it more. Oh boy, uh, that's uh, that's that's a team that needs a lot of work. Good luck, Bill. Uh, also, by the way, you talked about the renovations. How about that lighthouse? Am I right? It, it looks great. It looks it looks good on TV. It looks even better in person. It looks great from the Neponset River too. <laughs> Apparently, it is arguably the biggest lighthouse uh, in the country. So, uh, yeah, nice nice to see that. Uh, glad the renovations are working out uh, very very well uh, as our team lacks uh, investment. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't have anything else soccer related I wanted to talk about. I just wanted to brag to everyone that uh, I, for those of you that don't know, I'm in a very, very serious fantasy baseball league. I have won it once in the dozen or so years I've been in it. And I can say after the conclusion of this season, I am now a two-time champion and I beat our uh, league commissioner who is literally a fantasy baseball expert. He uh, makes money writing about fantasy baseball. So I, I had a uphill battle uh, and I won. <laughs> I had one more home run uh, than my opponent uh, and my opponent had Kyle Tucker on his team and Kyle Tucker hit a inside the park home run that was overruled and corrected and turned into a triple. So I won based on a stat correction and it is the second year in a row that our league has been decided by a stat correction. (laughs) So my friend is not talking to me, uh, but I am the champion two time FFBL champion. Suck it, Eric. 
uh, and I want to just brag on my podcast uh, because I know he will not talk about it on his. Yeah, suck it, Eric. I don't know who that is, but I'm I'm on your team on this one, I guess. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> he won't talk to you either after this. All right, well, that's short. Uh, Andy, where can people find you online? Uh, yeah, you can check me out. I, I write for Boston Sports Nation, so that's bossportsnation.com. Uh, I am part of the Revolution Nation team there, so if you want to see my articles, you can click on the little Revolution uh, banner at the top of the site. Um, I have a lot of good uh, s- stats and, and numbers-related content that I've been doing a lot of lately. I'm, I'm going to try and diversify that portfolio a little bit and mostly make it easier on myself to not have to, to wade through so many stats, but that won't be starting this week. I'm going to do a big uh, statistical breakdown of the designated players on this team. Uh, so you can check that out at bossportsnation.com and you can follow me on Twitter um, at Andy Revs Nation. I post all my articles there. I post additional little tidbits and, and stuff there uh, as well. So give me a follow. I'm looking forward to that article because I was talking, I had, I had some takes uh, about a certain designated player that we've talked about on this podcast a little bit and how he uh, is not producing goals. Uh, and I had, I had a take in a private chat, and I'm not 100% convinced that I want to bring that onto the podcast yet because <laughs> I know some people get mad at me. But I'm looking forward to your article, and maybe it'll back up uh, my, my take that I think most people know what it is. Uh, and also, by the way, a lot of people that listen to this podcast love the nerd stuff. Uh, they love the stats stuff. Uh, you should be following Andy. Uh, if you're not on Twitter, uh, make sure you go to Revolution Nation and uh, bookmark it because uh, he has some very, very good deep dives that go into uh, statistics and i know you've changed a lot of my opinions uh, and a lot of my takes so uh really appreciate all the work you're doing over there andy yeah of course um, and, and thank you for all the work you guys are doing oh and, and congratulations by the way uh fabian wrinkle put out that um that big poll of of best podcasts and you guys were one of the the top four i think you were i think you finished in third which is it's third, really good bronze medal, congratulations. Baby. Woo! <laughs> yes now i will say i don't think i talked about this on the podcast last week and i know we're wrapping up here so i don't want to don't want to complain too long, but Seth won best reporter in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Very happy for Seth. Of course. We <laughs> we didn't get an Eastern Conference podcast vote. It was all it was all of MLS. We had to go against Corner of the Galaxy. There's that over a thousand episodes and third degree is there third degree soccer in Dallas. Yeah. We have no chance against this. So we were the champions of the East if we were allowed have our own separate vote. But anyway, congrats, Seth, I guess. <laughs> yes, congrats to Seth as well. <sighs> At least I won my fantasy baseball league, you know. That's right. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at Revolution Recap. You can also follow us on Instagram threads. Follow us on threads and Facebook. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Bet Online. Promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Also, be sure to follow the Blazing Musket on Twitter at Blazing Musket and subscribe to their Substack. Every piece of info comes straight to your inbox. Uh, very, very convenient. Also, be sure to follow our friends at The Rebellion on Twitter and go to anyrebellion.org to learn more about them. Also, be sure to sign up for their foot golf, tour- foot golf tournament. And if you're not going to the foot golf tournament, uh, go check them out at Flynn's in Mansfield next week uh, for a watch party for their game at Orlando, uh, which they will definitely do well at. Make sure you are subscribed on iTunes or wherever you're listening. If you can re- rate and review us five stars, it would be greatly appreciated. We are one away from 110 uh, on iTunes. So if you could be our 110th review on iTunes, I would love it. Uh, after that, we will be back. I believe midweek, we're going to try to do a midweek podcast after the Columbus game to talk about how fun that's going to be. Maybe we'll be talking about three points, but probably not. Until then, thank you everyone for listening and go Revs. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.